0: Welcome to episode 87 of Cowboys Ride Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield, and as always, I'm joined by Philip Slavin. How are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing all right. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. You know, we
0: got a busy week coming up, finals week here at Oklahoma State, so next few days are going to be pretty busy, but this is kind of giving me a little bit of an escape from the uh, how hectic everything is right now academically, but you know what? It's the nature of the beast, and I only got one more after this, so it'll be fine.
1: That's nice. That's. Um, I don't have any finals, and I'm okay with that.
0: Yeah, I only I got this, and then I got you know the last was it the second week of May, and then I get the uh, most expensive piece of paper in my life, and then you know onto the real world. Mm -hmm. All right, well let's get right into it. So Oklahoma State had two games this week uh, in basketball between the game against Tulsa and the game against Houston, both losses. uh, I thought Oklahoma State played good in both games, not great. Um, They should have probably beaten Tulsa, but when you miss a bunch of free throws like they did. Uh, you're just not going to win that game and then houston houston was just a really good team uh, they could not miss from outside especially in the second half and they just you know hit a dry spell and i don't necessarily this doesn't change my perception of this team at all this is just not a team that's going to win a lot of games they're just not They're just not experienced enough and they're going to you have a lot of freshmen making freshman mistakes you have a lot of guys that are just inexperienced and inconsistent but i think at the end of the day this doesn't you know, and I think, I don't think they're going to beat Nebraska either. And going four and 4 in this stretch does suck. And I don't think that's going to help too much, but this team is going to be better off for what they're doing right now, playing a top 30 non-conference schedule in the country than they would be if they were playing, you know, cupcakes all the time. And, you know, they'd be eight and one right now.
1: Yeah. You know, Boynton's talked a lot about how this is the kind of schedule they expect to play at Oklahoma State and how, this, this is going to pay them dividend, dividends down the road. And I don't disagree. A, I think this will... Look at this team. Look how young they are. They are the youngest team in the Big 12 and one of the youngest teams in the country if you look at not just uh, age and, and you know, freshman, sophomores, but, it, but actual game-playing experience. These, this is a young team and that youth has shown showed against Tulsa, showed against Houston. Um, and I. you see the, the, the possibility and the talent there. You, know, you look at, at, at Isaac Likely. That kid's talented. That is, he's he, so talented. He's, he's really good. Does he make some freshman mis- mistakes? Yeah. Uh, Michael Weathers. Michael Weathers, you could say, is the most athletic guy on the team. He, he turns the ball over because he's a little overconfident. He gets himself into situations he can't get out of. We've seen that kind of thing before. You know, that's coachable. You're an A. I thought he'd look like a lost giraffe this year. He's actually been fairly impressive. Forget the blocks. Um, offensively he's he's done a good job. He can't hit free throws to save his life. and just his basic defensive fundamentals aren't aren't entirely there. He's a true freshman that's that's something that is fixable. Um, I think the free throw issue eventually is gonna you would think sort itself out there I mean Boynton has said. Like we probably shoot more free throws in practice than anyone else in the country, and I I believe him, I really do. It, it's it's gonna get better. I, I don't see anything with this team that tells me that it's not going to get better. And and it's not necessarily about this year, but 2019. We've said all along, this year whatever happens is whatever happens. 2019 is the year you look at, and I'm not just talking about the guys, the new guys coming in, because um, you have a really good recruiting class. Everybody on this roster, somebody's not coming back at least, but everyone on this roster could be back next year. Save for backup point guard Michael Cunningham. Everyone else could be back. Waters, Dizzy, McGriff, I mean, those are going to be your seniors next year and everyone else is going to be sophomore junior. That's mm-hmm. I believe Boynton can coach well enough and and, and develop players well enough that this team will be better by the end of the season than they are now, and they will be that much better come next year, which should be really good. This year's just you're just gonna have to deal with the growing pains from a, a young team, and that's exactly what this is. They were saying on the broadcast in the Houston game, and I'll I'll, I'll wrap up over this. Um, you know, when Kelvin Sampson showed up to Houston, he had like eight scholarships he had to get figured out. He had eight scholarships his first year. The thing about Boynton's. Hall for that twenty eighteen class. How many how many kids did he have to bring in? It's a lot. Mm-hmm. And look at what Houston's able to do now with the seniors they have on the roster. So mm-hmm. if, if you are concerned about Oklahoma State basketball for some reason, I would tell you to take a deep breath, realize the youth on this team. And if you believe Mike Boynton is a good coach, which I think we all do, I think we all know he can coach, not just in games, but he can help develop players. If you don't if you're not sure just go look at what Mitchell Solomon turned into by his senior year. Uh, I think he can get this team and especially these young guys where they need them to be in the next couple of years to where they are competing at a very high level and instead of losing close games to Tulsa and losing games to Houston and and, and having these really terrible dry spells against these teams where they just they can't come back from. I think they're winning these kinds of games, and I think that's why he's playing them now because it's going to be that much better next year when they play these kinds of games then.
0: Yeah, I agree. And we also get to see Curtis Jones for the first time in game action on Sunday against Nebraska, and he's going to be another guy that I think is going to be an impact guy off the bench with Weathers and Cunningham as well. Um, We'll probably see the minutes of DeMuth and Kalou diminish even more when you have another experienced shooter coming off the bench. But, yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing I'm going to take away from this game is you're not going to win many games if you're Oklahoma State when you have Cam McGriff, Lindy Waters, and Michael Weather shooting a combined six for 26. Yeah. That's just – that's not going to happen. Yeah, no. And, you know, like, but like you said, Isaac likely impressed me a lot. He was making great plays on both ends of the floor, um, playing just a good Oklahoma State style of basketball where he's going to dish and he's going to score – but he's going to lock you down on defense. He's going to dive on the floor and make plays. And you just love to see that, especially out of a freshman buying into the program that early and buying into the mentality that Oklahoma State basketball plays with. I was really impressed with. But yeah, like, it, but at the end of the day, you got to hit shots too. And this team is just, they, they'll have times where they'll, like, came out at the beginning of the second half and scored, I think, nine straight, something like that to get going. Yeah. And then, yeah, it was. 30, they took the lead, thirty-seven, thirty-six, and then they scored fifty-three. You know, they scored twenty-three in the second half. So you figure they scored seven points in the first two or three minutes, and then what is that like sixteen? The rest of the game. Yeah, they, they shot not...
1: like thirty-three percent in the second half and twenty-two yeah. from three. They just they couldn't hit shots, and you know, Houston had a great game plan. A Houston was just a better team on Saturday. Like, they I know. hate saying and, that, but no, you're absolutely right. they seniors were better than Oklahoma State's players were, and I know that sounds for people who don't watch enough college basketball to understand that. It's it's don't think of it like football. It you can't think of it like Houston wouldn't be better than Oklahoma State. Like I understand, I realize the weather wasn't great and that OSU was you know the record wasn't great coming out of that game. I was a little sad that the crowd wasn't bigger because Houston's a solid opponent. Like forget right. the fact that Kelvin Sampson's now coaching them, and no, don't enjoy watching him win in, in Gallagher, but. That, that um. I have nothing but respect for Calvin Sampson. Like Houston's a good team. College basketball is not like college football. Like that's why teams like Gonzaga gets one season, and Villanova and Xavier are good. It's not the same thing. You can have really talented rosters with a lot of seniors on them and it be a really good team. And just because it's not a, a power conference team, that doesn't that doesn't mean nearly as much in college basketball as it does in college football.
0: Right. And I mean, Armani Brooks, I know Dustin talked about him on the podcast saying he was kind of their impact guy. And well, he was as good as advertised seven to 13 from three with 23 points and eight rebounds. And he was really good. Um, and I'm pretty sure at least half of his threes, we had great defensive positioning, did everything you could, had a hand right in his face. He still knocked down the shot. I mean, there's not a lot you're going to do. Great offense beats great defense. And it, that's never more true than when you have your hand right in a guy's face and he's still able to drill a three. So. Yeah, you know, right. at the end of the day, this is a learning experience for this team. I think these types of games are going to pay off in the long run, especially for the freshmen. I really like what Thomas Azagua had to say after the game of no one came here to play easy games. You came here to, you know, be as tough as possible, and this is these are the types of games you expect to play at Oklahoma State. And I think Mike Boynton said that as well. So, this is the type of game I want to see a young Oklahoma State team play because I know 2 years down the road, they're going to beat a team like this, especially when you have you know, likely and Kalu and weathers and these guys that develop over the next couple of years. And then you ha- add in some young talent with it. This is going to be a, c- a consistently good program. This is just the year where it's going to suck for a little while, but you know what? That's fine because the, I know that down the road in two years, this team's going to be really, really, really damn good.
1: Yeah. It's you got to come in with big picture and just kind of it's rough because the football season wasn't great. And, and you're hoping that the basketball team... I mean, they're, look, you beat LSU. They're they're well-coached enough, and they have enough talent that they're going to get some wins this year that they shouldn't get. I'm not saying they're going to beat Kansas twice again, but they're going to get some wins they shouldn't. Uh, I think Baylor is worse than Oklahoma State is. I think West Virginia is trying to figure itself out. So I still don't think Oklahoma State finishes 10th. I think Baylor does. Um, they have not been good. I think OSU's strength, just if you really look at the teams they've played... Their non-conference strength schedule is is up there. It's in the top fifty. So uh, it's going to prepare them for Big Twelve. They're going to win some more games. Uh, this season just is what it is.
0: Right. You know. Do you have any final thoughts on this before we move on here?
1: Um. No. Other than uh, it don't feel too bad about the Tulsa loss because Kansas State lost to Tulsa on Saturday. So. Uh, I still think Kansas State's overrated, but that's... A
0: uh, they awesome are. Story. No, yeah. they're, they're a good team, but there was no reason to be in the top 15 no. like they were. No. That that was ridiculous. But, you know, we'll see them in conference play, and we'll see how it goes. Now we're going to move on a little bit since there's still not a lot of football for us to talk about. We'll get into a little bit of recruiting here at the end, but I want to talk a little bit about the uh, the wrestling duel today. It was Bedlam in gallagher Arena. It was actually a pretty decent crowd. I'd say it was about similar to the crowd that showed up for the basketball game yesterday. So it was a really really fun atmosphere I love going to the wrestling duels it's good stuff but Oklahoma State won 41 to three in the in the duel or 41 to two because they actually were, they were dedu- they were deducted a point for unsportsmanlike conduct at the final match of the game in the heavyweight so uh, I'd also just like to point out that Oklahoma State's now one what is it 147 uh, 20 and 10 uh, 147 27 and 10 against Oh, you and wrestling. I just like to point that out.
1: It's no wonder uh, they went to just playing once a year instead of twice like they used to.
0: Yeah, exactly. But no, just to highlight a couple guys here. Uh, Nick Piccinini, uh, f- forty or fifty-six seconds into the first period, pinned his man. Uh, Oklahoma State went up six early, and then Dayton Fix, the two-time junior world champion, when this dude's gonna win national titles for Oklahoma State. He then wins twenty to five by tech Falls, so then it's eleven nothing. And then a couple matches later, Chandler Rogers got a pin at 165. Uh, and then Preston Weigel, he, he probably had the most impressive match of the entire day to me at 197. He won by Tech Fall, which is winning by 15 uh, in the first period of the match. In the first, With 39 seconds left in the first period, uh, he won. This so ended up going 35-3. And then Derek White finished off the match with a pin uh, in the third period. And that's when... Uh, J- I think it's, his name was Jake Boyd. He was a heavyweight guy for OU. Uh, Derek White pinned him, and I think when he pinned him, it was he was up like 16 to three, so it wasn't like it was close at all. Uh, Derek White was just toying with him at one point, where he was just letting him up so he could take him back down, and he ended up pinning him. And he tried going after him. I took off his headgear and tried to tried to fight him. Referees separated him, and once they announced that White was the winner, everyone's starting to leave, and it was 40. We saw 41-3 on the scoreboard, and. Uh, because of Boyd's actions on the mat after the match, uh, they deducted a point, and Oklahoma State ended up winning 41 to two. So it was a it was a good day. It was a lot of fun. It was dominant. Their only win uh, was at 141. Uh, K. Brock lost to OU's only uh, only nationally ranked guy. Uh, I think it was Dom Demas was his name. It was only seven to six. So it was a pretty hard fought match. And it was probably one of the better matches to watch as well. So. It's not like there was any match where any Oklahoma State wrestler was outmatched in any way, shape, or form.
1: You know, OSU has dominated the series, but OU has historically been good at wrestling. Like, Bedlam used to be a big match, and it's not anymore. And for Oklahoma State's sake, like they would benefit from OU being good again and actually challenging them in wrestling. It would help having a better – it would improve the Big 12 – it would improve for OSU for I mean, OSU is great at wrestling. Period. Right. But and this is something you know, like OU football fans understand. Um, when your rivals are good, <laughs> it's actually good for you. Right. Like, assuming that you hope they go Owen whatever every year is asinine. That's that's a, for you too, OSU fans who just want OU to lose every game. It's moronic. Um, You want your rivals to be good for two reasons. One, it makes the match more important nationally, which is good for you. It also makes it that much sweeter when you crush them. Like, hooray, we beat them and they didn't win a match. Who cares? Like, good whatever. That's like when Oregon beats Oregon State in football. Like, okay. Like, you want OU to be good because it's much sweeter when you beat them. In all sports. Basketball, baseball, wrestling, especially in wrestling. Because we beat the yeah. snot out of them. Like even when OU is good, you still beat the snot out of them like forty one to two. So the yeah, point is I I don't
0: think OU I've I've gone to the Bedlam match for the four years I've been in college and I don't think OU's gotten into double digits in any of the matches that they've they I don't think they've won I don't think they've won more than two in the last four years. They
1: haven't been good for a while.
0: No, they they have not. And the Oklahoma State, uh, this is one of the better teams that John Smith has put together in the last couple of years. And obviously they are good every year. But this is a team that I think could legitimately compete for a national title when your guys are nationally ranked in the top 10 in your weight class, 125 all the way down to heavyweight. You have a really good team. And when you can sub guys out and they're still nationally ranked, too, there's no drop off in talent. When it comes to any sort of any weight class for this team,
1: it's about time for another national championship. Oklahoma State, yep. in general, not just in wrestling, but thank God for the golf one last year because the mm-hmm. athletic department was on a roll there for a while in the early, like the late two thousand nine, ten, like period. Gosh, country was winning, you know, wrestling and had some in there in a period. Like it's been a while since OSU as a athletic department has won a national title outside of that golf one. We need. Especially in our best sports, golf, wrestling, like cross country, um, women's tennis has been really stinking good. Like we need, we need a couple matches. T- it'd be really good to get another rest, wrestling banger, or banger, wrestling banner to hang up uh, in Gallagher It really would.
0: Absolutely, and I think this is probably one of the teams that'll do it, uh, especially when you have guys like Dayton Fix who. He is a re- he's a redshirt freshman. He didn't wrestle, which is just insane that he was as talented as he is, did not wrestle for Oklahoma State last year. Uh, but he went and won Junior Worlds in 2017 and 2018, and he just dominates everyone. It, it was insane just to watch him work. But then I also want just one final note here. Uh, this was actually John Smith's 50th victory as a coach against OU as well. <laughs> so.
1: Bravo. Not, not total, yeah. against one opponent.
0: Yeah, just against one opponent, he is one, I believe I had the match card with me. I think I left it in my car, but I think that he is now fifty six and two against OU in his career, and two of those losses came in the first three years.
1: Is is having like like you talk about, Nate, Nate, you know, fix who didn't play last year? Is that what it's like to be an Alabama football fan? To have I, I think like so. That's the closest we get to it. Top guys at his weight class who redshirted because. They just didn't need him. That's gotta yeah. be like what it's like at Alabama football. You're like, oh yeah, we got a, a five star. Like, if, if for everybody who didn't see uh, Dax Hill decommitted from Michigan and is committed to Alabama, because why I not? mean, yeah,
0: why is not? Is Dax
1: Hill even gonna play for like two years? You're just gonna sit behind so. three other five star safeties. I
0: mean, probably. And then when he gets to play, he'll be an All American. That's about the old, that's about the best guess I have with it. But now I think that's the best. That's about the equivalent of what we can get. Even his son joe who was an all-american for two years and he red-shirted last year because they had someone else who then bubba wallen who then won the conference at 157 and then became an all-american
1: <laughs> yeah we gotta win another wrestling title okay
0: uh i i think we will but yeah all right so that's <laughs> enough of that and well i'll plug a little bit more of that because i love going to the duels but the one I'll definitely—I'm still looking forward to it. I've been looking forward to it since the schedule came out. February 24th, they're wrestling Iowa in Gallagher and that will be a top three matchup. That's going to be a lot of fun. That might be one where we get 10,000 people.
1: That's, that's going to be I mean, awesome. For those who don't realize, that—that's a rivalry game. When yes. you have that would, that, we're talking two of the best programs in, in the sport, going head to head. That's that's like o, uh, OSU Penn State. Was it last year? When Two years that, ago, they yeah. They were both undefeated and had a match like this is – OSU-Iowa, that's that's a rivalry. Like, historical – that's going to be a good one. I hope that's on TV because no know I'm going to get Stillwater.
0: Oh, I guarantee it will be. Uh, it should be, and if it's not, that's just criminal considering they mm-hmm. moved the Bedlam match today to ESPNU just to watch, so everyone could see a 41-2 just thrashing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, um, let's move into man. a little bit of – yeah let's get into a little bit of recruiting i'll let you take the take this one because i didn't this one kind of came out of nowhere in the last weekend uh desmond jackson a uh running back uh from Hutchison community college in kansas which is just a pipeline for you know all all colleges across country with all the talent that goes there and into the state for uh community college and juco uh tell me a little bit about this guy i really didn't know too much about him until i saw the news break later earlier today
1: so just a little setup um uh... Jackson was in Stillwater this weekend for an official visit. Um, OSU really, I think, started putting the pressure to, especially after Jaden King announced he was transferring and, and Justice Hill announced he's going to the NFL. That leaves three scholarship backs on the roster. You've got Juba Hubbard, LD Brown, and, and Jamil Jeter. I think OSU is looking to bring in two other guys. Uh, they wanted a JUCO guy, someone who could come in and contribute immediately, and I think they still want a kid, a four-year kid out of high school. They got their JUCO this weekend. Uh, for a report from uh, from uh, Jackson told uh, both Coach Wozniak and Gundy he'd be committing. He is a he is going to be able to contribute immediately. Not only is he going to join them for the spring semester, which means he'll have, he'll have been here in plenty of time to be a contributor um, for uh, for the, the Dragons. Which is why why aren't more teams called the Dragons? Like it's just right. it's a fun name to have uh, this season. For the Dragons this year, he had uh, 1,352 yards, 14 touchdowns. Um, he's he's a big kid. He's a powerful kid. He's a powerful back. I think he's going to replace more what J.D. King brought to the table than what Justice Hill did. I think he's got good speed. He's also uh, he's also pretty good catching the ball out of the backfield, which Oklahoma State has tried to do more and more. Um, they didn't do it as much with King as they did Hill and and Hubbard. But having somebody, you know, Hubbard can do it. But having somebody Like King, who can also... Having somebody like Jackson who can also catch the ball is going to be really good for them. It's it's another big weapon. I think he's going to contribute immediately. Um, Barring four-star DeAndre Glass deciding he wants to come to OSU, I think Jackson will probably almost immediately be the second string behind Hubbard. I do think he's that... I think he has that talent. I think Brown can be good. I don't have as much faith in him. um, Being... Number two, I think there's a reason he was he was basically the fourth back on the roster this year. I think Jackson can come in and and immediately be the and fill that JD King role of being the guy you want at the goal line, being the guy who's going who should be running between the tackles more, and and someone who can even get outside and get the ball and be really effective. I think this was I mean it was really a late push. Um, it really was. It, it I I think. You look right now; the season's over until the bowl game. Coaches are really able to really focus on trying to wrap up this class before signing day later this month. The first signing day, I think. I think most schools want to get most of their class done at, at the early period, and then really spend the rest of it focusing on on how they want to fill out the roster. You this with Jackson; you to have nineteen commits for for the twenty nineteen class. Um, by the way, uh, Drew Brown and uh, Kima Sivarand count for this class. So really, you've got about four scholarships available left for 2019. So you're not going to see a lot of commitment news left, but left. But you are going to see a real emphasis on filling specific spots. I think they want one more um, lineman, defensive lineman, for this class with as many guys as they lost. Um, I, I think they want one more, and I, I think they still want one more four-year running back to add to the roster.
0: Yeah, I know. Uh, I think this is going to be a really interesting pick just because you have a guy that can come in immediately, and I think Shuba established himself. I think he is going to be the number one guy next year. I think he yes. showed and he showed enough that you know, obviously, you know, he had a little bit issue in the TCU game, but you saw what he did against OU. You saw what he did against West Virginia. What he is capable of. And I think he is going to be the number one guy, but to have a change of pace back still coupled with him and a guy like Desmond Jackson, who's six foot two twenty, I mean, the dude is going to run people over. I mean, he, I don't, I mean, I don't think he'll be like Chris Carson levels of trucking people, but not many people can get to that level anyways. I I digress. Having a change of pace back for this offense is going to be huge, especially breaking in a new quarterback, whether it be Drew Brown or Spencer Sanders, you still have a guy that's, Going to be new to playing in the offense at game speed. I think this is going to be a really big pickup. But I'm, I looked at his numbers in seven of the last nine games for, uh, Hutch, for Hutch last year. He had over 130 yards rushing, averaging. Well, he had one game where he had 10 carries for 153 yards, average so 15.3 yards per carry, but right around six, seven yards a carry. And in the red zone, for in which I really want to see Oklahoma's utilize a more, you know a bowling ball type of running back for yeah. the red zone, especially with the red zone issues that we see sometimes with this offense. I think he could be a really, really nice addition for this team. And if they can go and get another guy that's maybe not necessarily a project, but a four-year guy, then I, you have a little bit, you add a little bit more depth to a position that is very thin right now. So I think picking up a Juco running back that you could pick up and play immediately is massive for next season.
1: Yeah. I, I think it getting, look, he's not Chris Carson. But you have your star. You needed a you needed someone like this to be number two.
0: Mm-hmm. They
1: like L D Brown. I don't I don't know how good he's going to be, to be honest. Again, there's a reason he's the fourth string. Maybe that's just because everybody else was so much more talented. I don't know how much blame he deserves for how he looked against TCU. It wasn't great. I just I think they really needed to get this guy. And I really think it's not just about grabbing another four star or four year running back. Um there's guys for that. You could get. I think they could go get Thomas Grayson if they offered him. He's the kid out of a, a Booker T who's decommitted from Nebraska. They want DeAndre Glass, and you're not going to find out if you're going to get him until February. So, and that, I. I know there are other people who really think because of all the predictions, because of how hard OSU's been pushing, that Glass is going to end up in Stillwater. I don't have as high a hopes. I don't either. Um, that's just because of, of what I, what you've kind of seen from DeAndre Glass. And don't be me wrong, he would be awesome. He, he's really, really good. He's a high four-star. He's a good back. He'd be great. He, his favorite pick is Bama. I don't think Bama's going to take him because they're going to get the five-star they want uh, on the 19th. Ohio State's filled up their spots. Miami just came into the picture, and they're already a part of his top four. I, I don't have high hopes for OSU. It kind of feels like we're the—I the, say we. It feels like Oklahoma State is the backup. They're there, if, if none of the other ones that he really wants pans out. And I just don't—that doesn't make me feel good, um, even if they do land him, but we'll see. But I think, all of that aside, I think this Jackson pickup is, is a very important pickup, especially that he can come in in the spring and start being part of the team during spring ball. I think that's huge for Oklahoma State be able to have that and have that guy ready to go come next fall
0: absolutely i'm interested to see where oklahoma state goes with the final four spots that they have uh for scholarships and i imagine we're still going to see some solid walk-ons come on because that's just what this program is about you see a lot of the preferred walk-ons come in and either make an impact or they're you know they're there for depth but i imagine we'll see some more of those as well but again this recruiting with Mike Gundy is always an adventure. It's always interesting. It gives us a lot to talk about. Um, but that's kind of where I'm going to go with it right now.
1: Um, so with those four spots, I think they want one more Juco defensive lineman. Um, you're losing so many guys on the defensive line. Basically, your entire starting defensive line is gone. They, mm-hmm. I think they want someone else who can come in and contribute immediately, um, who's got experience, who's not just a freshman. That's one. At least three left. I think they want a four-year running back, in, and they really want specific. They don't just want someone. They want glass. That's that's two of your four. The other two, I, I think you keep an eye on the grad transfer market. Um, I don't think they're going to be. I don't think these. Uh, the rest of these spots are really going to be filled by high school kids, unless some five-star just decommits and comes in. I also don't think, and let me just be honest, I don't think Oklahoma State's going to take a wide receiver in this class. I know that's surprising and it's weird that they've missed out on their main targets um, Damaris Houston who they really liked decommitted from Texas I don't think he's coming to Oklahoma State um, I think OU's made a strong push and he's even going to visit Minnesota which is odd
0: that's very odd uh,
1: makes me think um, academics um, I, I, I don't think they're going to get Langston Anderson I think he's going to stay at, stay in state and go to Baylor I think that's his favorite I just don't think they're going to get a wide receiver but here's the thing they don't necessarily have to. You, The only guy you lost was Jalen McClensky. Everyone else who played the rest of the season is back next year unless you have someone else leave that's surprising. C.J. Moore hasn't played. Trason Wallace, when he's healthy, hasn't played. Elsie um, Greenwood hasn't done much. Patrick McCoffman was hurt. Like there's, there's enough depth and talent in the wide receiver core. There's 15 wide receivers on the roster. Yeah. I don't think they have to. I think they're fine. Um, They can really now that 2020 class, you're going to probably see at least two, if not three, wide receivers taken at it. But I don't think it's going to hurt them if they don't take one, and I don't think they're going to take one because they don't necessarily have to. And again, there's no reason to take a guy just to take a guy, like, there's no reason to burn up that scholarship. Save it, look at positions you need after during the spring, look at the grad transfer market, figure out what you need to bring in because I have a feeling you'll see at least one more Juco commit. And I'd be surprised if you didn't get another guy somewhere during this process, who's a a grad transfer to come in. You know, it happened late in the summer with Kima Sivarand last summer. So just something, some guys will show up. I don't know what position that'll be, but I have a feeling at least two of these remaining scholarships for the 2019 class will get used with grad transfers.
0: Yeah, I I agree. And like, I mean, there's so much talent at receiver. I'm not worried about not taking a receiver in this class. It is a little weird considering how good of a coach and recruiter Casey Dunn is to not see a receiver come in for this year. But it's not like this is a super thin position where we are scrapped and need someone to come in and just play. Uh, There's so much talent there. Oklahoma State's never going to be scrapped for receivers. They're just not. They throw the ball around so much. They have so many guys and just a pedigree of churning out great wide receivers and great college receivers that, that, you know, they, only have, they don't have to recruit as much as some other schools do. I think Oklahoma State will be fine. I expect to see more in 2020, but if they don't take one in this class, I'm not concerned that something's going wrong internally, that maybe some philosophy, I don't know. I, I feel fine with it. I'm not too concerned.
1: You know, I do think this speaks to the difficulty to recruit to Oklahoma State. for People who don't want to hear that, they just want to say, Gundy's not doing a good job, and blah, 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 blah. Right. How many, I mean, Who had a Blitnikov finalist who should have won, but of course you lost to a Bama kid. Shocking. Um, Shocking, but not. You had back to back with Blackman. I mean, you have one. There's no reason four and five star receivers shouldn't want to come to Oklahoma State.
0: Right. They
1: go to Texas, they go to Baylor. They go. It's not as easy as just going out and convincing these kids to show up. They have everything you need to show a wide receiver to, that they should come here. And the guys that they went after this year, because, again, your roster with wide receivers is, is deep enough. You didn't just have to take one. They were being very specific about the ones they wanted. They wanted a really talented kid. They couldn't get a really talented kid. They wanted to go to Texas, and now they could be committed to Texas to maybe go to Minnesota. You get a kid who wants to stay in state and go to Baylor. It. It's not as easy as just like it's easy for Bama's and Ohio State's and OU's and Texas and just that's Oklahoma State's not that and they're in such a unique situation where you're surrounded by all these schools in Texas that are good. You're you're fighting Oklahoma and you see more and more kids don't stay in state anymore. Like even Oklahoma couldn't keep Dax Hill in. He's he flipped from Michigan to Bama. Like it's a it's a. It's not like it used to be where kids stayed closer to home. They can go anywhere they want now and everything, and it's fine. It's just uh, – um, I don't blame OSU for not landing wide receiver. They had the guys they wanted. You know they went after them, and they just couldn't land them. Like, that's just kind of part of it. They're 18-year-old kids, man. Like Exactly. You can't think of this from a fan perspective or from an adult perspective. Go back to when you were 18. I, I can't even begin to imagine – why a five star receiver wouldn't come to OSU? They haven't. Don't know why. But, yeah. I mean, they'll be fine. They'll be fine at receiver. You do bring back unless Tylan leaves early, you're gonna have Tylan, Tyron, uh, Wolf and and Stoner back next year. They're fine. <laughs>
0: they're they're perfectly and then, fine. And then you think about the guys that they'll have backing them up and L C Greenwood and Patrick McCaufman and CJ Morrill see time, Tracy Wallace will see time out of the slot. Like They're fine, and those guys that are the backups would start at just about any other school. So it's not like – I think we will be fine. Everything is fine, everyone. Calm down. Uh, Take a deep breath. Exactly what we said last week. I feel like that's just going to be the the message for the rest of our podcast just relax. (laughs) Keep
1: keep calm. Carry on.
0: Exactly. Any final thoughts for this week?
1: Uh, no. No. Good enough. It's the holidays, good man. I'm more focused on that right
0: now. I am too. I got, like I said, I got two finals on Tuesday and one on Thursday, and then I'm done for the semester, and I get about a month to just kind of relax, and then got a few more months of school and then graduation. So I got a lot going on. So I just got to get through this week, and you know, we will be, we'll be, everything will be good. Just got to get through this week. That's all I'm focusing on right now.
1: You
0: can do it. You can do it. Yep, we'll be good. All right, Philip, can Everyone, follow you on Twitter.
1: Uh, follow me personally at oktxarpoke. It's Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas. Uh, you can also follow my show, the Ten Twelve Podcast, at the number ten, the number twelve, the word podcast on Twitter. It's available on SoundCloud and iTunes.
0: You can follow me at JT Penfield. Be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF, and we'll have a little bit of back basketball coverage, and we'll start getting bowl coverage up here in the next couple of weeks. We've got still a little while until the game, but we're going to try and get as much content up for you guys as possible. And we will see everyone on Wednesday, and we will talk about something. I don't know quite yet, but we'll figure that out. <laughs> Have a good night, everybody.